0: Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good morning from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio. Tom and I are here, and we also have a special guest on the phone, Dr. Daniel Stevenson from the LSU Ag Center. Daniel's in Alexandria. What's up, buddy? Hey,
1: man. How are
0: you doing? We're doing good. So if you've been listening to us this year, Daniel was on with us back in the spring and we had no end of technical difficulties with that particular episode. I actually did that one twice, and you got cheated. Uh, because, because the, the content the, yeah, first the first time was stellar. Was, it was way better than the re-record, and the re-record still sounded terrible. So that was my fault, and I apologize for it. But since, since that time, we have upgraded the equipment, and Daniel's back with us, and I think he sounds a lot better this time. He says, we sound a lot better on his end too so thanks for taking time out of your day with us ma'am
1: my pleasure
0: i hit you up about this last week i think you were in alabama harvesting peanuts so how'd that go
1: uh we got rained out uh went pretty well the first day got a lot done and then that rain front that came and something all that rain stopped us but they should be able to begin again this weekend so it was a good time i, I enjoyed being over there and Help my dad and my family out and my brother give him a hard time. And it's good. It's good. And it's good to get out of Louisiana. You've been doing that for a few years, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, I have. i try to go over there and help him as much. And I had it lined out nicely where I could have spent this entire week and helped him get almost all of his entire crop out. But um the weather had a different plan. <laughs> did
0: not it, though? Daniel came on this morning, and we're going to talk about fall burn down right here in the middle of October. A lot of folks already doing that and, and more getting primed up to do it. And so that's what we wanted to talk about. But for those of you that don't know Daniel, Daniel has three daughters and they range, what are they like 20 to 14? Yeah, 2017 and
1: 14.
0: Daniel has a lot, <laughs> he has a lot of girls in his life. So, you know, sometimes needs to step back and do something real manly, like go, harvest peanuts with his daddy, but <laughs> right. that, that's, that sets right. him up for his man card right. for the next 365 yeah. days. Uh, so <laughs> not shopping for girl stuff. So Daniel, if you, if you had to pick a pet, you know, given the fact that you got three girls, would you rather have a bobcat as a pet or an orangutan?
1: Bobcat.
0: Okay. Why?
1: Because cats in general could really care less whether you're there or not. An orangutan, in my opinion, will be similar to a dog and quite needy. And I don't need anything else needy in my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good good logic. I've just had a, a lifelong fascination with orangutans. What was the Clint Eastwood movie? we were kids, every which way you're yeah. loose, when they had Clyde. Every which way yeah. you can. Yeah. Right turn. Right turn, Right Clyde. turn, Clyde. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I'm actually kind but of then I, if, I could, if I could teach that bobcat To get after you though um, I think that'd be pretty stellar If I could make an attack bobcat Yeah and that's but I that would spend time with it
0: I kind of thought that was the way you would go When I was concocting that question in my head I'm a little disappointed Penguin wasn't a choice Because yeah, clearly that, Jason you, has just all
2: uh, sorts but of But you
0: know that little sucker's needy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well it would totally throw you for a loop uh, Anytime I got around you He's got to have his own freezer
2: Uh huh. With rocks, so that your daughter can put the rock. The rock was hot, so I put it in the freezer, Daddy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Did did we talk about that on the podcast, or did I just tell you that? You just texted me the picture of the rock in the freezer. So my four-year-old daughter, I go open the freezer one day, and there's a pretty good size rock, gravel rock, about half the size of your fist. I was like, "Hey, why? Why is there a rock in the freezer?" And I'm just stone cold. She looks at me. She said, well, it was hot, Daddy. Okay. Want to help it cool off. Uh, Perfect. Makes perfect sense. I can't argue that logic. (laughs) All right. Fall burndown. So this is something that we have a lot of experience doing. It's been real popular in Mississippi. Wanted to get Daniel on and kind of compare notes. We don't really have one thing in particular that we want to talk about. I guess the... Umbrella of burn down and then the time of year that it is being fall, that's kind of where we are. So, you really can't talk about far, fall burn down without talking about post emergence burn down, you know, after the first of the year, because they just all kind of go together. And sometimes the puzzle fits better using a fall program, and sometimes it fits better uh, skipping a fall program. So, those kind of things that we wanted to touch on this morning. How about you compare and contrast what we've done in Mississippi and
2: Louisiana from a historical standpoint, so that we can discuss probably what's going on from a standpoint moving into twenty twenty two when it comes to burn down programs and the products associated with fall burn down programs.
1: Fall burn down in Louisiana, in my experience here, and I've been here since, since two thousand and eight. Really, it's not been a not a lot of herbicides will get applied in the fall. A lot of tillage work, obviously to get the ground ready for the spring. And the later that our growers would, would till, we're starting now, kind of moving through the, the month of November, they would typically have very little winter weed vegetation the next spring. So herbicide burned out in the spring would typically be easier. But those individuals who say work there on um, corn ground in the month of September would have a, what I term a chia pet of weeds, so it's just completely covered a lot of biomass and a range of multiple species. So, not a lot of herbicides and one of the complaints against using a herbicide in the fall is bed erosion. Louisiana, predominantly is wet. I mean, we're just a low state and there's areas of the state that are much lower than others and normal spring rainfalls can wash a bed down so it requires you to maybe have to do some tillage work in the spring, and if you've got mixed to heavy ground, everybody knows that's almost impossible, particularly if you got man ripped in the fall. It's really difficult. The ryegrass that I'm sure Jason will mention in his portion of this uh, of answering this question is really pushing us toward using those things. Well, I shouldn't say pushing us. It's making the ag center and the dealers and the consultants really asked their growers, you need to consider this because we're doing such a poor job of managing this pest in the spring. But again, the blowback is, I don't want bed erosion. That's really where we are now. And there's some other things I think we could do to help that we'll discuss later. But from a historical standpoint, some people use it that don't worry about erosion. But I'd say overall, historically, not been a widespread use of herbicides in the fall in this state.
0: And for us, Tom, I think it started when Poston was here. And I don't know that it started. I mean it's not it's not like this is some kind of revolutionary concept, but the it started on scale, I think, when he was here and pre
2: pre twenty ten. Yeah, coincidentally. Two thousand nine, I mean, two thousand eight.
0: Well, No, no, it was way prior than that. Before that. Because it was for horseweed is where we started. And it was a good way to control horseweed, economical way to control horseweed and go back to the difference in the cultural practices then and now, and, and I'm sure there were some. I mean, I wasn't even here at the time. So then about the time I got here was when we discovered the problem with resistant Italian ryegrass. And Those programs had been really successful with horseweed. Horseweed's a winter annual. Ryegrass is a winter annual. And basically just translated those treatments over to targeting ryegrass. And then, of course, the products are different for the most part. So we spent a little while uh, identifying the correct products to use. And since then, it has been, well, it's not a standard treatment, but it's one that's on people's mind and then whether they choose to do it or the environment allows them to do it kind of goes from year to year. So, for example, fall of 2020, I think we got a significant amount of burn down out in the fall because the weather was right and we got a lot of field work done in the fall. Therefore, we were able to treat quite a few acres for various different things, whether it's just general burn down like Daniel was talking about, the chia pet that you get up in the wintertime to combat that or to go after something specific like ryegrass. But then you go back to the fall of 19, fall of 18, if any went out, I probably don't know about it because the fall, the weather was so bad and uncooperative, we didn't get a lot of fall work done except on maybe some really early stuff. So it just depends. We, We like to do it. It depends on the year. And then absolutely echo what Daniel said, the soil texture plays a lot into it. And so we have a lot, and I don't have any idea what the percentages are in the Delta part of Mississippi, the percentage of mixed textured soils to heavy textured soils that lend itself to that program. And then for sure on the the lighter textured soils, you know, your traditional cotton soil Not as good a choice there just because you're going to get some erosion and there's nothing you can spray in the fall to leave something. So, for example, Valor has been a really, really popular fall treatment over the whole time that we've been doing this. Well, Valor will control ryegrass for a little while. It'll control bluegrass for a little while. We think of it as a broadleaf herbicide, right? Well, it's going to control that other stuff too, for a while. That may be the first species that breaks through and starts to emerge. Whereas we might control a henbit or a shepherd's purse or some of those other winter, winter annuals longer. And then flip that, we think about dual as a grass herbicide in this time frame, mainly because it's one of the go-to active ingredients for ryegrass control in the fall. But Dual will also control henbit for quite a while. So there's nothing you can spray on a sandy bed and leave something to hold the world together after that treatment. They're all going to control a lot of different species for a little while. And so it's just a matter of how, how long that little while is.
1: I had a student who uh, looked at all residuals, mainly for control of, of henbit. You know, and she sprayed them multiple times during the year. And we were shocked to see the the length of residual from just ethanol from a dual Magnum. I think it was a pint and a third we used. She'd have him control and other broadleaf control out into February. Yep. From a November one application timing. So it's amazing how much longer residual these herbicides that we deal with, whether it be Valor, whether it be Dual, whether it be Leadoff, Off, whether it be Gold, some standards that people use in the fall, how much longer they last. And it all comes down to cooler soils, less micro- microbial degradation and I'm not Jason, you took soil chemistry. So from a chemical degradation standpoint, things will last much longer. So Valor in summer may last about three weeks. Valor in the fall may last Seven weeks, eight weeks. Or
0: longer given the weather conditions through the fall. Absolutely. And it's so variable from year to year. It all hinges mm-hmm. on the weather you get in December and January and February. And that's why when you have a conversation with somebody and maybe they're maybe they're pushing a rotation interval a little bit, it's always better to be safe than sorry because you're having that conversation in October or maybe even in November. And this is the treatment they want to use, but then they don't know what they're going to plant. So then you got to err on the side of caution because there's no way to predict what the weather's going to do throughout the wintertime. I I have rated plots where we got, and I'm not even going to give you a number because it's kind of ridiculous, really, really good ryegrass control from a November treatment on the 1st of April. And it's just absurd, the numbers that we got. But... You take those same treatments in a different year and they may be completely broke by the first of February. It just all depends on the weather.
2: It's complexity of environment. It's not just, it's temperature, rainfall and everything else that yeah. factors into that and then duration of temperature and probably overall accumulated rainfall over that
0: period of time. It's a bit complex. Yeah, it's much more complex than it is in the summertime because we know May and June in the Mid-South, it's going to be hot. It's probably going to rain some, and but it's definitely going to be hot so that the moisture factor is really the variable that you're dealing with there, whereas through the wintertime, there's more variables in play.
2: Well, in sitting in October, the fear always ends up becoming the closer you get to the end of October is when it's going to start to rain and will it stop yeah. because we've had plenty of years where we have gotten to the end of October and it started to rain and it didn't stop until February for the most part. So the amount of field work that you could get done in that period of
0: time was nil right and when we start talking about timings uh and i don't know if this is where we were going with this conversation or not but when we start talking about timings that what you just described tom absolutely factored into the timings that we have so regardless of what the target is or what the treatment is we know you can go too early if you put something out the first of september in the Mississippi Delta or the Louisiana Delta or central Louisiana, it's still summertime. And, and you may still have several weeks of summertime. It's supposed to be close to 90 degrees today. And so you can go too early and that herbicide is going to dissipate and then you're going to get weeds emerge after that application. If you err on the later side, then you've got more herbicide in that germination zone when those weeds start coming up. But the tight line that you're walking is, can you get it out? Because what you said, Tom, it may start raining and not stop. So in a perfect world, about the 1st of December would be the perfect time to do it. Well, that's not practical. I mean, there's a laundry list of reasons why that's not practical. And so that's not even a talking point. Now, we have some that goes out that late, depending on the year, but it's definitely not. You know, it's the exception rather than the rule. So our suggestion has always been check the forecast on the 15th of October and nothing magic about the 15th, just the middle of the month. And if you got a clear forecast, wait. Because the later you go, the better you can get better off you're going to be just thinking about weed control. But if it's the 15th of October and you've got a 90% chance of rain for two or three days in that 10-day forecast, you better go ahead and do it. Because like you said, That may be it. It, You know, we may be full on wintertime rainfall pattern and not get back in there.
2: Now, what about product selection? I'm sure you both have pretty good points on product selection once we get to the 15th of October. So this is great time for that. What sorts of products should we be talking about? And I know you've listed a few already for whichever particular weed we're we're considering in that particular field situation. What are our products for choice right now?
1: My overall best, and I haven't looked at this since Ryegrass, Jason will speak to this, but just general broad-spoken weed control is oxyphloroquine or gold. Uh, there's some other generics out there. At a pint rate, that it's good, and it'll keep you clean, I mean, out into February, close to March. I mean, it's, it's amazing. A step down from that is a Valor or a lead-off product. If you're going to plant grain soil next year, do not spray lead-off. Then a uh, cheer down from that would be the duels. And I'm not talking general, broad spectrum weed control, I'm not focusing on on, on ryegrass. That's kind of ones I would place, you know, that's my opinion.
0: So we don't use much gold.
1: We don't either. But I'm just telling you what the data said.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> but I would echo those other ones. Valor's gone on more acres. If you date fall burn down to whatever year, two thousand three. So 18 years. Valor's gone on more acres than anything else. All right. Lead-off is solid. Broad spectrum, mainly broadleaves. We have a lot of ALS-resistant ryegrass in our state. Therefore, creates problem there because you're going to have to do something to control the ryegrass. But it's a solid treatment. And then you get into mixtures. Dual plus Valor. That's gone on a lot of acres over the years. Zidua. Solid treatment. Uh, and then you have Fierce, which is a premix of Valor and Zidua, so comparable to the Dual Plus Valor mixture. And then you get into more specific stuff uh, that we don't talk about as often, like Invoke on Cotton Ground. All right, you cannot beat Invoke as a fall burndown product. However, it locks you straight in. I mean, you're not planting anything but cotton there the next year, and we just don't like that. So we don't like not having the option, and we just so we just don't spray any invoke. And I'm not saying it's solely for that reason, but that's a an example of a really really good treatment that we just for a number of different reasons we just choose not to use. Boundary, boundary's been really popular uh, because it does a good job on ryegrass. But then the Metribuzin component of that premix picks up a lot of other winter broadleaf weeds too.
2: I hesitate to introduce the one topic, but I know that it's one that's probably on a lot of people's minds. And it's certainly something that you both should consider touching on, even though I know it's a pretty touchy topic. But A, availability of some of these products from your local retailer, and B, price. Because I know that we're all hearing lots of stories and and information as it relates to what is available and what you can get your hands on and B, what it's going to cost. Any thoughts on some of that? And I know neither of you are economists, so don't don't try to hit on some of those issues, but at least mention them. Anxiously awaiting
0: your comments. (laughs) There was some dead air there. (laughs) Dr. Stevenson.
1: Well, just in the last week, I've had some guys call me and Say okay, we want to. We're planning to burn down without glyphosate, just due to the shortage and the price. You know, they talking about a shortage of glyphosate, uh, potential shortage of glufosinate going out into the future. But we'll stick with glyphosate because in this state, it is the foundation of the spring burn down. It's more a question of what am I going to put with glyphosate, more than what am I going to do without glyphosate. So that's. Cause them to ask the question, "Can I do something in the fall?" Absolutely, of course we can do some. We've got some good programs, and that's like you know, the program that Jason and the guys at State developed for, for ryegrass control. That's one of the ways I've tried to sell it here. Is, is look what else it does? You know, the bit, the shepherd's purse, the swinegrass, you know, the the other weeds that it can really really help you on. Kind of a bang for the buck. You know, kind of the way that I tried to sell residual herbicides for control of palmer. It just doesn't kill palmer. It does a bunch of other things too. That's where my growers, some them, are starting to think, but then they step back to bed erosion. So it becomes a question of what what can I do in the spring then if I don't have glyphosate? And really it's a clefidium mixed with some sort of oxygen, whether it's D, dicamba, or a mixture. That shortage, subsequent price increase of glyphosate, which I've been told is going to be higher than I've ever heard of, I think ultimately it's going to push the others, the speculation guys. is going to increase the price of, of other things. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. We control, we control budget is going to be greater this coming year and that stinks, I know, because the price of fertilizer and everything's out the roof. I'm really going to encourage guys to use fall residuals to, with with the idea of it takes a lot of pressure off of, let's say, a cleptidem dicamba or cleptidem 2,4 D application in the spring when you're not having to try to kill a chia pet because we all, Oh, glyphosate misses ryegrass. And glyphosate's not that good on, you know, older hen and Glyphosate misses horseweed. All that's true. But glyphosate kills those other umpteen number of weeds or helps control umpteen number of weeds that are out there.
0: Weeds, you don't even know what they are because you've never even noticed them before because they've always died.
1: Oh, yeah. If I just started naming the species off the top of my head, I'd get to ten, fifteen quickly, of the ways that you would just see naturally out in any field in this state, and I'm sure in Mississippi as well. We can just start with broad or of grass. The little grasses generally are poa and, and ryegrass. But from a broadleaf standpoint, it's, it's amazing the number. Uh, that, that's what makes it fun for weed science, to be honest with you. But it also points to how powerful glyphosate is, and when we start leaving it out. Then let's say for swine crabs. we're only asking deer dicamba to do the work now. Or Henbit. we're only asking deer dicamba or maybe elabor to do that lifting now, not having a partner there to help take it out. If that's the plan, in my opinion, this is just my opinion because I don't have a robust data set on this. If you're leaning toward a Clep and M auction type material, in the spring you better do something to help yourself out in the fall so you're not fighting a juggernaut or a chimp pet in the
0: spring jason your thoughts you're exactly right glyphosate it's the foundation of everything that we do in my opinion even the summer programs uh, we're still po- post-emergence wise it's still controlling a lot of stuff so the question and you kind of introduce that Daniel but you know the questions about hey I'm missing ryegrass you know maybe I'm missing horseweed if I have horseweed I'm not that good on big hen bits why am I even putting this roundup in there you know those questions come up pretty routinely some years you get it more often than others and my response to that really depends on the person asking for example if tom calls me and asks me that well I know tom real well I kind of know how that brain of his works. But my response to Tom is going to be thats scary. It is. I'm Uh, even scared. (laughs) My response to Tom is going to be leave the roundup out, call me back in a month and tell me why you shouldn't have left the roundup out. All right. that's not the right answer for someone that I, I don't know well, but that's been an answer. I know I've told my daddy that, but to develop that idea, You said we're controlling a lot of species. We're controlling a lot of species that we don't even know. So if you go to a Clethodem plus an auxin, whether it's D, dicamba, or D and dicamba, mixture in the— Or Elevore. Or Elevore, winter, spring. So for us, that's going to start sometime after January 1. Yep. It just depends on the weather. So it might be January, might be as late as late February. It just depends on the year, depends on the the operation. If everything's good, if it's 65 degrees, soil profiles aerated a little bit, sun's out, say you're doing it with a ground rig, 10 gallons of water, it's probably gonna do everything that you want it to do. However, you take a different situation. So say it's January the 20th, it's 45 degrees, it's wet, it's cloudy, the treatment has to go out of an airplane at a different water volume, chances are you're going to be some degree of disappointed in that treatment because you're going to miss some stuff. And you might miss the trash weeds that you don't think that much about because the glyphosate had always controlled them, or you might get into something a little more insidious like antagonism between the auxin and the clethidim treatment. So my recommendation there is to max out the rates. Make sure, at least on the clethodim side, that you're going with a a high rate of that product because we always see, I say always, most often see the antagonism going towards reduction in grass control rather than a reduction in the broadleaf control. And then to piggyback on what Daniel said, I think that gives us a little bit more incentive to do something in the fall. So we mentioned dual to start with, and I've heard stories about the price of dual, and I'm going to leave this dual treatment out. And that's, you know, I think a legit argument too, based on economics. But I think the difference between the glyphosate problem and the dual problem is that with dual MetolaChlor I keep saying dual but MetolaChlor is dual. We have options there. There's other things you could plug in there and get a lot of the same things that you would get out of the MetolaChlor treatment whereas with the glyphosate it's just the only thing that can deliver what it delivers. But if it's too expensive and you can't lay hands on any then you've got to go make a crop and therefore you know we've got to figure out a way to do it without it.
1: Mm think about all these other winter weeds, ones you never think about, and we achieve poor control of those in the spring. What are the, other than we just missed them, or we didn't do well on them, they will have an effect on your crop. You know, you take swine crids, for example. It's extremely impet- competitive with a young corn crop. No question. Extremely competitive. In harbors spider mites, right? So that can ultimately... Potentially affect a, a cotton crop. Then just from a sheer competition standpoint, how it can affect, you know, corn is deciding what it's going to yield when it's coming out of the ground. You know, that's why it's so important. Most all crops are. The biomass that is in Louisiana fields, if it's not properly controlled, can be as competitive as if ryegrass was left in the field sitting beside a corn crop. And we've all seen a big ryegrass stool sitting there, maybe dead from paraquat. But how it just, there's an area of corn, maybe even soybeans and cotton, that just is, you know, poor stand, slow growth, just ultimately it's going to be a yield reduction. Well, if you don't get control of the shepherd's person, the swine crest and the bitter crest and the hen bit and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you're going to get in the same situation. So again, Make sure, maximize rates of the quesadam and the auctions, the man of the them. That's where doing something in the fall is going to help you. In other words, if you fight the big old bully, go ahead and kick him in the stomach in the fall and get him bent over so when you punch him in the nose in the spring, you'll get a little bit better result if everybody follows my elementary analogy.
0: Such aggression.
1: <laughs> it's unfortunate but I am default aggressive.
0: So Jason
2: and Daniel, each of you give us one little take home nugget from this that that farmers need to focus on moving through the fall of 2021 and getting into spring of 2022.
0: I think 2020, 2021, and looking ahead to 2022, there's a lot of stuff that we've all had to deal with in all facets of life and unfortunately this is one of them. And so I don't want to seem, I don't want to be all bad news but I'm also responsible for making sure we kill as many weeds as we can as economically as we can so these pricing issues the supply issues make it a lot more complicated than what we are accustomed to so the issues are coming and the situations are going to be like I said more complicated so Just let us help you. I mean, I'll do anything I can to help everybody work through this. The mixtures, the combinations, the substitutions of products, we've got data on some of that. We don't have data on all of it. You know, where we don't have data, we'll put our heads together and come up with the best path forward that we can.
1: I'm going to echo what Jason said from from an economic standpoint because I'm not spending a farmer's, money. It's not it's not coming out of my pocket. So I can empathize when uh, you get somebody who wants to sit there and say, you need to do this and you need to do that. I'm not saying you must. I'm just trying to provide each of these growers that are listening with as much information so they can make a choice as best for them. But I do know that moving forward, to keep themselves in the black rather than the red, are going deeper in the red, unfortunately. They're going to cut some things. And it's sad to say, but we all know that there's going to be consequences after that. And year in and year out, if weeds are not controlled, yields will be reduced. It's not a question of if we're going to have weed pressure and if we're going to have weed competition with a crop. you will. So it's really tough. And I empathize. I mean, Jason and I both are sons of farmers. We both can, can see it through, through their eyes, which is why I do what I do is try to help as many farmers as I can. So yeah, just like Jason said, you got questions, let us help you. That's, that's what we're here for.
0: Tom, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. We went a little long. We want to make sure we, Touched on and we've been planning on talking about fall burn down since way back in the summer and we've just been waiting until the timing was right, you know, when those applications are g- were gonna start going out. And then in the meantime, we've had some of these other issues that have taken on a, a kind of a different light more clarity. So we apologize for that getting a little long. Yeah, but to our regular listeners, we really appreciate the the thoughtful comments and those
2: of you that continue to contact us and say thanks. And, and we definitely are extremely thankful to have Daniel on this morning and listening to Jason and him talk about these pretty really important topics moving into next crop season are, are I think, pretty beneficial and very timely at this point in time. So thank you all both. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, brother.